Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach. And I'm here with yet another high demand coach, and that is Mr. Ron Ross. Ron co-founded Avant with his partner to create a rich laboratory to tinker and to help clients solve their most juicy organizational challenges. I love that. Uh, With an inventive spirit and a knack for working with people, it's no surprise that Ron's career trajectory led him to consulting. He spent the last 20 years developing coaching and training leaders across various industries, making him an expert in how teams and organizations operate. Ron, I can't wait to dive in on on that. I'm just so excited about this conversation. (laughs) But before we get there, I'd love to hear, just tell us a little bit about your story. How'd you get into coaching and why? Yeah, I think for me, I'm going to take you way back. It kind of goes back to I'm a middle child and all of the uh, the fun things that it involves, you know, two brothers, one younger, uh, one older. And I just it was amazing to me that, you know, two people, three people in the same system can have different experiences. Always been a curious guy. I thought originally I wanted to be an engineer uh, an inventor, but I, I found my passion has really been about group dynamics. Mm. What motivates people, what motivates groups? You know, I was a kid at home, chatterbox, talked all the time. But, you know, early years, you know, when I was in school, quiet, followed the rules. And I just noticed that a lot of people, how they showed up depended on the environment that was set. So I think that curiosity led to some, you know, choices in my career decision. It actually started, I was, uh, I've always been, I knew I was going to be speaking and working with people professionally. I just didn't know how. So Mm. it took me a little while early in my career. I was working in the insurance industry and people kept coming up to me, asking me, putting me in trainer trainers, noticing skills in me before I really noticed them in myself. Uh, And when I started thinking about what I really wanted to do, I kind of harken back to sort of what I'm curious about. And it started off way back uh, in the 90s doing software training and loved the technology. And it was like, okay, I'm marrying, working with people, marrying sort of what I love, uh, that curiosity. But I went deeper and started getting into, okay, how do you help employees to become better at what they do? So we started off in technology training, became how do you teach people how to do customer service better? Mm-hmm. And then it got into leadership development. And once I got into that, I did a lot of classroom training. And I wanted to find out the rest of the story. So classroom training is a beautiful thing, but you never know 
what the next chapter is. Coaching is more the long story. It's yeah. the, the the mini series. And so I invested in myself to, to learn how to coach, uh, market myself as a coach. So I do coaching and consulting and it's been really a good marriage for me so far. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to actually pause on that for a second because uh, a lot of folks will either do coaching or consulting, yeah. right? And uh, and you know, for those listening, uh, if you're not aware, traditional traditional coaching is uh, very Socratic in nature. We ask questions. Uh, it's built on the idea that you have inside of you everything that you need to succeed. It's just our job to help you mine that out. Consulting is a little different in the approach, in, in that uh, there's oftentimes more advising that happens. Uh, you you will see it more often in a team environment. Uh, it's a little bit more advice and and kind of knowledge oriented. And it's rare that we have someone like yourself who actually does both of those things, right? And and, and so what I'd love to hear, uh, why is that mix working so well for you? Uh, and how do you show up differently in those two roles? That's a really great question. Love that. I think for me, I, I was doing this work um, doing it really successfully, working inside organizations doing it. Um, I knew, you know, I was going to launch out on my own. This was close to 2012, 2013. So I had a lot of experience that I gained on the job. And I went back to school. I'm like, I have to invest in myself. I, if I want to really know if I have the chops, let's pick up uh, another degree. So I went back, uh, got my master's degree in organizational development and leadership and so I knew I was going to be consulting, took a class in coaching, and I was kind of blown away. And I, I had this sort of like fork in the road. And I remember talking to the, the professor who was teaching the coaching. I was like, do people do both? And he's like, normally it's one or the other. And I just knew for me, I was going to do both. So while I was finishing my master's degree, I also um, got my coaching certification and, and I think it's the story I told you is I'm a curious guy. Um, I like to make things simple for folks. So a lot of the work that I do is within organizations, but I also do things with individual teams yeah. within those organizations and then working with leaders. And I, I just want to have as much leverage as possible. And I think that's why it really works for me. Um, it requires you to be really skilled at putting on and off hats. And, and that's one of the things that I try to tell leaders that I'm working with is you have to be really good at knowing what hat the situation calls for. Yeah. Um, when I'm actually coaching, I know I have to be my rawest real self because I can't expect anybody else to be vulnerable, yeah. to really let down the guard if I'm going to do that. If I'm in the room talking to senior leaders, that's a different, more button up look. And, and that's a different hat that I'm wearing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times they don't want the Socratic method. They want, okay, what are you going to do? How do we fix that? Uh, so it's it's flexing based on the circumstances. Yeah. And I just I just love the fact that I get to do both. I, I yeah. really wouldn't change it. That's so cool. So I actually do the same thing, and it gets me in all kinds of trouble with both coaches <laughs> and consultants because uh, or, or, you know. And and I actually found, uh, like yourself, it's actually very very effective because there are different times and situations where the different style and approach is much more effective than the other. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, so. Let's say you're sitting down uh, with a CEO and and they don't know if they need a coach or a consultant. Uh, how do you uh, how do you help them? Like, where is consulting more effective in your opinion? 
I think consulting is uh, uh, effective when there is a huge group, um, there's a system-wide issue that you're really trying to address. Um, and if, if, if I was honest, I think you always need a little bit of both. <laughs> so, uh, and that's really selfish. I think if I have a CEO who I know gets it, like they get sort of what real leadership is, they get, they created a really great culture. And the thing they're trying to figure out is how do I make sure that this is cascaded and repeated at all yeah. levels of my leadership? That's a clearly a consulting gig. And within that consulting, there may be development, workshops, and coaching. But yeah. the frame, the lens that I have is okay, I'm 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 a I'm talking to you as that consultant and I see what the real issue is. Yeah. Now it may flip, and this happens a lot of times where I realize, okay, the CEO, the senior leader, the sponsor is not as good as she or he thinks they are. What the issues that I'm really hearing, it's really about them. And, and I need to be flexible and transparent yeah. and strong enough to say, part of this is about you. Yeah. And we may need to get you the right skills, the coaching, yeah. um, so that you can do what you need to do. So yeah. uh so it's it's it, it flexes depending on sort of I might go in with one approach, but after really talking to the CEO or senior leader or sponsor. I'm going to flex based on what the circumstances yeah. really require. Yeah, it's fascinating. So uh, in, in my work, we kind of organize the world into different stages. And so you see uh, something very similar to what you're talking about play out. Early struggle, trying to get the business up off the ground. What you're typically looking for is actually you're not looking for consultants. Uh, you may be looking for a coach, but more often than not, what you're looking for is, is someone to execute with you, right? Some a service provider is what you're looking for. You want someone who can who can do the books. You want someone who can manage your marketing, who can, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and folks will actually overspend on coaching in that mm -hmm. time frame because there's only so much like when you're the business, you know, it's like the having someone else to tell you what to do sometimes isn't all that effective. There's a place for it, but it's got to be the right approach. Step into fun. Business is doing well. We're growing more often than not. It's a small team. And the biggest bang for your buck is to really invest in you as a founder, right? Uh, invest in yourself because you are the biggest asset. You're also the biggest problem, right? Like uh, virtually every single time. And so uh, it's at that stage where if, if, if you can bring in the right coach who can help you work through those specific things you need to work through in that stage, it's like lightning in a bottle, right? It's just mm -hmm. magical. Now what happens is, you know, a lot of the best leaders realize that. So they say, how do I grow? I work on me, right? And I grow, mm -hmm. now the organization's growing, it's getting bigger, it's getting bigger. We enter into this third stage called whitewater. And, and one of the words you used around consulting, which was just right on point was systemic, right? We're now dealing with systemic problems that are happening across the organization. And, and you can work on yourself as CEO until you're blue in the face, but until you can get things working outside of you better, coaching yourself can actually make it worse, right? You can mm -hmm. actually create a bigger divide between you and the rest of your people. And, and that's oftentimes where you see consulting really come in to effect. However, the coaching doesn't go away, just like you're saying, because, you know, if if you if you've got stuff that you're still working through and getting through that transition is there as well. So I love that you do that. Uh, kind of enough about coaching or consulting uh, and <laughs> consulting. Uh, so tell us a little bit. What would you say some of the most important work you're doing with your clients right now? I, I would say uh, it 
it is around helping them to empower their their leaders um, mm. is really like the fun work that I love doing. And and I think because we have a, a company that, you know, I have certain expertise that I bring to the table and just to kind of put it in perspective real quick is it is the equipping sort of the people that we've been talking about, the CEOs, it's their, their executive team going further down. Those are the folks that are going to, they have the biggest lever in the organization. So yeah. we love to work with that leverage. Um, so we do a lot of work there. Um, and then that other thing, um, which I know you're aware of is, is the culture, the container, the environment that they're creating. Um, so you got to really do both. And sometimes it's just helping people to be real about the culture that you are in. Like if they have a talent attraction problem or retention problem, sometimes it's it's not that you're uh, you have a real issue. It's that you're hiring the wrong people compared to the culture that you're you think you have. Right. And in the culture that you have, say you have a really aggressive sales culture, hire people that are aggressive, salesy people. Don't hire yes. people who who want something different. So I see yeah. we see a lot of mi mixed matches there. And yeah. then the final thing you talked about, so that white water stage where they figured it out a bit, they know they're going to be in business, they're scaling up. We we get to help them with what is that other thing that you need? So it's the guardrails around mm. all your HR operations in the early days not as necessary if you have somebody yeah. that can do it, if you can outsource it, but you're going to need to build capacity there to keep yourself out of trouble, to stop so spending true. money on lawsuits, stop spending money on hiring, firing people and, yeah. and put in sort of the, the guardrails that really help you to really go where you need to get to. So that's yeah. a lot of the work that we do as well. So that's so good. And, uh, and it, yeah, it's so timely for folks. It's interesting what you say about values. So I was, uh, I was coaching one of my clients and had one of her team members just kind of went, went a little bonkers and teamwork was a huge value of theirs. They talked about it day in and day out. And she just basically decided I'm not working with the team. Like you can have me, I'll do my work, but leave me alone. And uh, I asked her, I was like, you know, if it's not this, what would it take to fire her? Right. Like, what what would it take? Uh, because that's what your values are. Right. Your values aren't what you put on a wall. It's not the the result of a two day offsite brainstorming yeah. session. Right. It, it, how are you? Uh, it, it's the culture that you create. It's the things that you communicate. It's what you compensate for. Right. And and when we can when we can just settle that, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure on CEOs to pick the right values now. You know, there, there's a lot of pressure on leaders to to have these really like nice, fun, fancy uh, millennial values. I don't know what they are, but we, we want to pick the ones that sound right instead That's of the ones so that are right. Yeah. And so, what do you? How do you help folks that are dealing with that? Right. They're they're bringing in people that seem like the people that they want, but they're not fitting culturally. How do you help them get to the bottom of that? Yeah, I think it, you. You just danced all over what I believe in, in in a good way. So I appreciate it. It's like you're playing my uh, my song. So uh, it, it is culture really is not what you have printed. And there are companies that have beautiful wallet cards and values that are on the wall. But it's the actions that you take. It's the conversations that you really have. It's how you discipline, coach, or don't do those things. And as you said, the compensation. So 
it's it's mapping what your culture is, not what you say it is, mm-hmm. but really what it is. And you yeah. know what the culture is by listening to the conversations, by interviewing people, not at the top of the organization, but really at different levels. And really, if you want to know if you are a culture that really listens, that empowers people, ask the person with the least amount of power, privilege in that organization. And they're going to really tell you the story. And I'm not saying you have to be anything just like you just be communicate what you are. And if you're not being what you say you are, figure out a way to kind of reconcile that. And a lot of times, like you said, it's, it, it doesn't really require them to be different. It requires them to be real. Uh, yeah. And to change those words, change those values, because there's somebody that wants to work in that organization that would love to do that work and does not want some of that other stuff that may be desired for other folks. So our whole thing is use culture, use sort of your leadership as a powerful use your your your. Uh, your vision is a powerful magnet to really attract people, but it can't be BS. It has to be really real. And, and one of the ways we see it is in the conversations. That just seems to be where people get into trouble. Um, leaders are promoted because they are really good technical leads. Uh, they were really the best, but they haven't really been equipped um, with those skills. Yeah. And that's where culture, even if the CEO and executive team, they're really embodying it, if they're not watching the conversations that are happening beneath, you, you, you're really having your culture really eroded. And I'll give you an example of that. This is not from my work, but it's, it's I'm at an age where I have uh, adult children who are in the workforce. And my daughter is working for, she worked for in, you know, advertising and PR. And one of the values, and she's one of the millennials that you talked about is, Work-life balance, big for that uh, segment of the employee population. The tops, we are all about it. But the folks who are managing the folks at the ground level, they were undermining everything that was being said. Work-life balance, we have Fridays where you have off, but make sure you check in and you're looking at your email all day. That's That's not off, that's actually working. So you have to make sure that not only you are actually doing sort of what you said at the top, but the folks beneath you, their behavior, the conversations, the messages that they're sending are really consistent. And the only way you can do that is you have to periodically walk around, audit that, do skip level meetings. You have to be listening and talking to people or you're going to be, you're not going to even get it until you start seeing the data saying, okay, I have a lot of people that are leaving uh, now have to do things like exit interviews. I think you can get ahead of a lot of this if you are being one of those leaders that are really paying attention. Wow. Wow. So good. So good. Uh, I don't know how you're going to top that, but uh, I got to ask this question because it's my favorite. And that is, what would you say is the biggest secret that you wish wasn't a secret at all? What's that one thing that you wish everybody listening today knew? Yeah, I'm just going to make it simple. I, I'm, I'm in the process of finishing sort of a sort of a book around sort of some of the stuff that we're talking about. And it's all about creating that right culture in teams. It's about what leaders do and how it's say it's it's about the power of making people feel seen. And And I call it noticing, but there's probably a thousand different ways you can say it. And I'll give you some examples is noticing an employee that has a skill set 
way before they know it. So it's been like a game changer for me in my career. People noticing that I had an ability to really connect, talk to people, investing in me before I even knew that might be something I'm doing. Um, calling out some gift or talent someone has, paying attention to the individual contributions that people are making. It's, it's that ability to see what's possible and and then holding them to that high expectations of what you see in them is yeah. really what I, you know, I would say is the biggest secret we all needed as human beings. You know, we want that from our parents. We want that from our spouses and significant others to really be seen, to be valued. And I think if leaders could do that, that to me is the secret sauce that doesn't cost any money. It just requires yeah. presence, focus and attention. And, and that's all free. Yeah. And and what some uh, folks some uh, folks I've worked with have have worried like is it patronizing, right? And and it is if it's not true, right? If it's not authentic, like this isn't something that you fake. Uh but if it's authentic, right? And you're calling out things like when you talked about empowering people, I agree. Like there's just no better way of empowering uh, leaders and calling them up. And then I love how you said, and holding them to those high standards. So good because it's not just like, oh, everyone, you know, uh, unicorns and rainbows and, you know, like it's not that. That's not what an empowering culture is. Yeah. It's calling people up above what they would do on their own and left to their own devices, holding them to that standard and and doing it in a way that brings life and encouragement to them. Yeah. So ah, I love that. There's so much we can dig into there. Uh, uh, but I've got another question for you. I'm actually going to switch gears years. Uh, I'm going to have you take off your coach consultant hat. I'm going to have you put on your, uh, you know, your, your founder hat, if you will, uh, leader hat. And uh, talk to us a little bit about, because I, I know, you know, we have an, uh, a tendency as coaches and consultants to give our best time and energy to our clients, right. But can do it at the risk of just overlooking our own growth and, mm -hmm. and, uh, changes. So, what would you say is the next stage of growth for you and your business? And what do you think the big challenges you're going to have to overcome to get there? Yeah, I love that question. I, I'm someone that um, has the the gift or natural ability of foresight, which is like just this, this knack for seeing what I'm going to need. I don't always have the ability to, to invest in it, but... Um, I'm just a believer in, in like, I'm a lifelong learner and someone that's always going to continue to invest in themselves. Um, I am always someone who is getting coaching, getting some type of development. Um, and my partner, who happens to be my, my life and wife uh, as well, she's a believer in that. So I think our next iteration is how do we build our business to a significant enough scale that we can like be a bigger help, not only to our clients, mm. but to really serve um, sort of some causes that we really care about. And one of the ones that, you know, really top of mind for us is if we are people who believe in organizations that should be diverse and inclusive and should really give opportunities to folks um, and not just to talk about it, because it's, it's, it's a hot thing. How do we invest in, 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 in kids that are, are kind of losing out because of maybe where they started. Um, mm -hmm. So that's to, to us, it's like, all right, we have to put sort of our values to work and it can't just be something that um, is talked about. But to really fund that, 
means we really need to 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 grow the business yeah. um and be able to, to 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 add additional people so yeah i love that I love that. And, and what, you know, this is a group of founders that are listening. So they're all like, duh, we get it. But what a lot of folks don't realize about founders is how good the heart is, right? Like we see these business leaders, we see business owners, they often talk the language of business, they function in that environment, they make decisions quickly, they're decisive. But it's it's really not about the money. It's not about getting rich, right? Like the whole kind of Instagram get rich thing is just not the people that I I come into contact work and work with on a daily basis. I, the story that you have there is that's what I see, right? I see folks who who are wanting to create opportunity for themselves, yes, but so that they can give back, so that they can pour in, so that they can leave this world better than they found it. And so I just I love that you're doing that. I love that you were uh, open and sharing that. Uh, just such a privilege. And uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to see it come to pass. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Well, Ron, thank you so much for being on the show. It was just such a ple uh, pleasure having you. We could probably make this about eight episodes and just <laughs> keep going. But for the sake of time and and for that uh, of our listeners, thank you so much for being on the show, Ron. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Your time and attention mean the world to us. I hope this conversation was as exciting and stimulating for you and empowering as it was for me. I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any of those episodes, go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.